Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, Zach Jenkins. And Adam, guess what? Uh, this is the Botitude era, right? Are it's, we in Botitude? We're, we, are, we are in our, yeah, we are in our attitude era. Can I get a <laughs> hell yeah? Hell yeah. Everyone, welcome, welcome to the Battle of the Atom attitude era. Uh, where we just we have the most attitude that we could possibly have. Yeah, we're cutting promos, we're <laughs> smashing beer cans and chugging them. <laughs> I am just wearing a leather vest without a shirt on, so it's a good look. You know, it's it different, really is. But I like it. Listen, brother, I I know what I'm about, and I'm not about the man. And you, the man's telling me. What is the man telling you, Zach? The man's telling me that actually no one needs to read Ultimate X Men. <laughs> I think that man was me. <laughs> that what that man was you, Adam. I am I am raging against the machine that is Adam. <laughs> well, uh, I'm still reeling after our amazing 300th episode last week, and I what do a 300th hope, episode. Really, uh, I really hope folks did listen to that and and checked out our interview with brian michael bendis which was just a an absolute delight um but hey we're we're starting off uh, uh you know a new era here and um so to do this we are traveling back to the ultimate universe and things aren't looking too hot over there who requested this zach so this right here was requested by anthony di filippo uh, Anthony reached down into their hearts and pocketbooks and pulled a couple of coins out, tossed them into our coffers, and we decided to create a bespoke episode experience for him. A bespoke right. X-Men podcast just for <laughs> just for Anthony. Because Anthony said, hey, why don't you talk about the Nick Spencer Ultimate Comics of Ultimate X-Men? And if you want to torture us like Anthony, you can go on over to <laughs> patreon.com slash comicsxf. Give us money. It's five dollars. You're going to listen. Let's be real. You're going to buy a comic book next week and you're going to be disappointed and you'll probably have already spent five dollars mm-hmm. or you can do something that will never disappoint. And that is the sultry <laughs> sounds of Adam and I. That's right. We never let you down. And but we are going to let Anthony down right now because we're not starting with his request. Um, we're going to do his request second this episode. Mm-hmm. So. The ultimate universe follows a very strict chronology and you're listening to the whole episode anyway. It's fine. That's right. We're going to, this get isn't there. something we should apologize for. Absolutely. We're, not. One of, the, one of the things that Adam and I have decided as we enter our attitude era, That's is right. that, is that Adam, you, you threw me off by trying to say botitude there, uh, <laughs> something that's not a real word. It isn't well, on the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet does say, it the does spreadsheet say that. says attitude. I know, but come on, we 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 uh, we christened the word uh, Ragnarok the re-rankening. Like we and gotta... Ragnarok the re-rankening <laughs> that rolls off the tongue. It's that's got amazing. That's Botitude? got a lot of those bodacious boatitude doesn't roll off the tongue. I think it sounds cool. boatitude sounds like something that an ad exec in the nineties was trying <laughs> to make happen yes. to 
I'm trying. It sounds I'm like thinking, a, uh... I'm thinking like it would be a Dunkamoles thing. Do you remember Dunkamoles? <laughs> Were Dunkamoles around in your era, Adam? Because I know that. Hey, I, know I have that a little childhood brother. Childhood snacks are different timings. Yeah, yeah, but no, Dunkamoles were. Yeah, I mean that was a thing. Dunkaroos. It, it was called Dunkaroos. Yeah, not Dunkamoles. What are we talking about? You don't Dunkamoles. Uh, <laughs> hold on, that's exactly what Dunkaroos did. You got a kangaroo yeah, man out of a cookie and you ooh. put him in icing. Yeah, we're both making gestures with our hands right now. Everyone Dunk- in the car listening to this is also yeah it's like dunk, dunk yeah, it's you're like, like yeah. you just dip it and then yeah. it's icing anyway the icing on this cookie um that will disappoint you returning to it just like the ultimate universe always does when i return to the things i read in my childhood it's uh starting with ultimate x-men number 75 through 78 yes uh and writing the ultimate x-men for this arc is the one, the only, Robert Kirkman with Ben Oliver on art. Okay, so let's start by talking about Robert Kirkman. Yeah, sure, why not? You said before we went on air, you're not sure if you like Robert Kirkman, and I'm oh, I pretty sure t- I don't. Let's list the things I like about Robert Kirkman. Number okay. one, yeah, he has himself significantly funded the creation of more and more Kyle Stark's content. Great. And that is that is a gift to all of us. Sure. Okay. Number two, I don't like his comics, and I don't necessarily like his non-Kyle Stark's based business practices. That was a um, that was that was a list of one thing, and then you went immediately to the negative. So there's no other positives in your in your mind. I agree. The Skybound stuff is um, dicey at best. I mean, listen, Skybound I in and of it. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I want to get on a soapbox for one second. Yeah, let's let's get on. I you know what? Here's your box. Get on there. Thank you. Skybound is not any more dicey than so many other mid-tier comics publishers out there. Sure. Uh I just and if that's how they marketed things, I'd be fine. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth when image uh which Kirkman is a uh owner co-owner of uh or whatever his freaking title is, I forget. It's it's weird to have the company that's all about creator rights also have a significant portion of it that definitely doesn't have 100% creator rights. And I understand that that's been a part of Image since day one. It's just the hypocrisy really does rub me a weird way. I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm sorry I even brought it up. And uh, I, too, am not a fan of Mr. Kirkman's writing for the most part. We've encountered him before on this show. Um, and... Remember he did that follow-up to X-Force 8 that one time? That No, he... I have no recollection of whatever this is. <laughs> it's okay. It was not very memorable. It was just a one-shot. Um, but he's back here, and uh, not only do I not like The Walking Dead, uh, just because I think it's, you know, just depressing for depressing's sake, but um, he's, uh, he's trying to pull a fast one on us, Zach, with this cable arc. So here's the thing. And one, no, I have no, I still have no idea what, what Robert Kirkman's story you're talking about. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, no. We did a Marvel team up. That had Robert Kirkman. Yeah. Two, I also don't really like The Walking Dead, uh, though I will, at least the parts I read, definitely a real page turner. I get why those big phone books sell well, because you can just flip through those and like have the momentum. I just, at the end of the first compendium, I said, nah, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care um, for the governor. 
can't can't get behind that kind of story. Just not invested in it. It's I, at a certain I, point, I it's like my it's, story it's keep going. Listen, I can handle sad stories, you know, but I I, I love I, sad things. I can't get behind things that are like deliberately trying to emotionally manipulate you into feeling miserable. And that is what walking dead made me feel. So this didn't really make me miserable, but it, it did made me miserable make, in different ways in a, in an X-Men way. So what's going on with the ultimate X-Men around this time, Zach? Kind of nothing. There's, there's a whole buildup about Gene and the Phoenix and what may be going on with that. Uh, I rogue absorbed all of Gambit's memories before he died Mm -hmm. or right after he died. Kitty is being co-opted into a better book uh, by Brian Michael Bendis. (laughs) Nightcrawler is some sort of like assassin that needs to be uh, kept unconscious in the basement. Wait, no, what's going on with Nightcrawler? I'm not a hundred percent sure what Nightcrawler's deal. I think this, by this point, Nightcrawler has revealed himself to be violently homophobic. Yeah, he's terrible. But this is before he becomes the leader of the Morlocks, which honestly is like, I, I understand the logic of that role going to Nightcrawler. Sure. Um, Anyway, I do want to be clear because people don't read the ultimate universe. The moral of that story is that Nightcrawler learns that homophobia is bad, which obviously, but in another more obvious way it was 2006 like you still couldn't get gay married at the time so it was present to what was going on in the world sure I not mean, a thing it, i want for my friend nightcrawler it you know it it meant well i guess when it when it finally wrapped up um but anyway none so of that this, happens in this story no no so the ultimate x-men are just kind of chilling out you know doing whatever it is they're doing and cable shows up now, Cable, Cable had not been a character in the Ultimate Universe up until this point. So, um, hey, look, it's Cable. He's got guns. He's got fancy tech that, you know, pretty much disarms the X-Men fairly quickly. Except this Cable. Uh, he has something not, else. Not not exactly uh, as he seems. Hey, this Cable has something else. And that is knives in his hands. Yes, he sure do. Uh you know, he's got some claw scratches on his face, too. And it, it does seem like there's something a little bit weird about this cable. And you wouldn't you wouldn't maybe predict that this cable is Wolverine. So the thing I like about the Ultimate Universe is when they do new and interesting things. The thing I don't like about the Ultimate Universe is when they just make something different. And there's not really a good reason why. Or any, like, you just sit there like, okay, I guess that's the ultimate version of Cable. Uh, I don't know why it is. Right. I don't know what you're doing, but that's It does make sense that Gene and Scott do not have, like, a child who grows up to be an adult that comes back from, you know, like, because it is different universe and these characters are a little bit younger. And I get that, you know. Sure. But, but. This is something that I thought about a lot in doing the reading for this week was that what Ultimate Comics writers often do is they just throw a regular 616 character in and then they tweak it just like like a hair, you know? And like, obviously, Cable being Wolverine is a bigger tweak than that. But a lot of times it's like just, hey, it's name recognition. Like, look, Cable is here. 
um, Bishop shows up in this arc because he's yeah, Bishop of... shows up to chase Cable, which right, which is funny. Here's the here's the weird thing about Bishop and Cable. They aren't that they aren't connected like that in the regular universe in the 616, but everyone just kind of assumed because it was weird that there were two time travel guys with the big guns who showed up at the same time. It's not really explained either, you know. So what what ends up happening is that um I guess in the future, Professor Xavier like really blew it and the future sucks. So cable has come back, Wolverine as cable has come back cable. we can call him cable he's cable. we can call him cable he's this cable he's he's ultimate comics logan uh from the future he's come back to kill xavier and um when the rest of the team returns to that future with bishop because bishop is sick of cable's baloney they are also fighting with the ultimate comics version of the wild pack yeah the six pack yeah except there's not six of them who like, is missing from this? Because Cable, Domino, Grizzly. We have Grizzly, uh, Domino, Kane. George Washington Bridge is not here. No. GW Bridge. Bridge is out. And Bridge then... is out. Kane and, Kane and Hammer are here. Yeah. Yeah. That's everybody. Though they don't, like, again, it's I guess that's weird. kind of funny, but they don't really look. Like, Domino is really the only one who you're like, oh, that's Domino obviously but Grizzly like, turns into a bear which is a different guy's powers yeah that's our we already have a bear ma- mutant yeah, yeah right that, that's our uh, hold on. so kane kane does have his shoot him off fists he sure do but he does not have a good haircut he has an ugly haircut i mean they all do it's right they fight <laughs> that's all that happens. goes away in the future bishop sticks <laughs> around with the x-men gene gets mad Gene gets mad. Uh, this is this is the problem with Robert Kirkman's Ultimate X Men specifically. Nothing happens forever. It's I, you, <laughs> you know how you know how people talk about decompressed comics. Yes, people give some writers a lot of hard time about that. We don't give Robert Kirkman a hard enough time about that because <laughs> people just think of Robert Kirkman as the Walking Dead guy. And man, his other stuff does suck. There are two things that do happen in here that one of them made me laugh out loud. And I will give, I don't think that was the intention. I think the intention was for me to gasp, but I did laugh very, very hard when they go to the future. And the first thing that happens is a splash page of rogue, literally getting her left arm shot off. It's a full page. I was dying. She does. She does get her arm blown off. And they're like, touch Wolverine real quick and we'll beam you back to the past so you can grow a new arm. That was really funny. I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but it was really funny. The other thing that happens, which is, I again, not supposed to be funny, but I was laughing, was that Professor X reveals to Cyclops before they go on the mission that he is in love with Jean Grey. Yeah, that does about it. That was I forgot about that. That was pretty um, funny. That's an insane choice. Here's the thing about Professor X loves Jean Grey. Stanley wrote it in one line when he imagined Professor X being like not that much older, right? Than them. Yep. And then never brought it up again because sometimes. Stan Lee just threw things at the wall and said, I don't care about this anymore. Yeah. Like he killing got, Professor he, X. Or, you know, he got whatever. his own character's names wrong constantly. <laughs> Do you know why he's Scott Summers? 
because Stan Lee forgot he called him Slim in the first issue. He's like, oh, I love it. Great. We got Slim Summers. We got Peter Palmer. We got Bob <laughs> Banner. Just it's just, it was just a thing he did. So then Mark Wade comes along and he's like, Hurdy Dur, I love the Silver Age. I'm going to pull this up from the past. And now we have to live with it. Yep. It just really, it bugs me. It yeah, does very bug dumb. me. It's very dumb. I don't like it. Funny to happen in the Ultimate Universe. Hilarious that they 75 issues in pull that out. Yeah. Um, ben Oliver's art, it's fine. Um, it's there's a Yannick Paquette uh, issue, which I think is the third one, which um, just personally, I, I just liked that art style better. But both of them, mm-hmm. just by the nature of the story, it's it's not like the most exciting tale. It's a fist fight in a like a, a snowy field. It so, is just um, a fight. Like yeah. It's four four issues of fights. Yep. Yep. Um, so I guess that was kind of okay like kirkman pulled a fast one on us and you know i can't recommend it no i would not recommend this comic to anybody but do you know what i would recommend adam i would recommend that we rank it on our big old list the thing about our big old list is that there are a jackpot number of 777 stories on the list right now uh number one is house of x powers of 10 the hundredth best story is Wolverine forty-eight through fifty, the Shiva scenario. Yeah, that one's going to be a fun one to be sit, sticking around and thinking about it. Number one hundred. Ride that motorcycle up those stairs. Spell. Oh my gosh, that comic rules! <laughs> that comic rules. Uh, number two hundred is all new Wolverine, Enemy of the State two. Number three hundred is Generations Phoenix and Jean Grey. Number four hundred is X Men Evolution one through six. Uh, number 500 is uh, that time Rogue and Iceman went on a road trip. Also, there was some Gene Nation stuff in there, too. Yep. Uh, number 600 is Classic X-Men 43. Number 700 is X-Man, the man who fell to Earth. And 777, buddy, that's 2099 World Tomorrow. The worst X-Men story that's ever existed. It's rough. Don't read it. And no it. one else has read it, so they can't even argue with us. <sighs> Yeah, well, it's not on Unlimited, so, you know, Marvel's at least saving you from that pain. (laughs) It's so bad, is the problem with that. I keep thinking about that comic. I spend a lot of my life thinking about the Draco. I'm spending a lot of my life thinking about World of Tomorrow. (laughs) Well, this World of Tomorrow is uh, not not very fun, but I don't think it's quite that bad. However, I do think that we're probably in the 600s. Uh, Let's see. Ultimate Comics X is at 301. Uh, the Tempest is at 498. The Tempest is better than this. Um, Catac- is this better or worse than Cataclysm Ultimate X-Men? Oh, That's at a- 548. I think this is worse. I do yeah. too. Yeah. Number 650 is Ultimate War. Um, This is more legible than Ultimate War. Ultimate like, War. Got that Chris Bachelor art though. I know, but it's like, it's not it's him trying stuff and it doesn't land. I you remember it's like I legs know. coming off of panels and it's like... a, it's a wild one. Here's the, this is, if we're going above that, uh, we do have Iceman volume one at six forty three. Yes. Iceman volume one is better than this. I would agree. How about X-Force and cable annual 97? Shoot. Which one is 97. I can't keep up. Uh, oh, that's the one where they go back to Asgard. Uh, yeah, this might be better than that. I My gut tells me that X-Men Blue 10 through 12 Toil and Trouble is better than this. Great. So this could be our new 645. This is our new 645. Perfect. 
So now you know the the big switcheroo, you know, the the big reveal from this arc, and you don't have to read it. What is with... Okay, hold on. What is with adaptations of Cable, thinking that Cable wants to come back in time and kill somebody? Like, yeah, he's that, the Terminator? Not, that's not what he does. It's not what he did at all. No. No. It, I, I have thought about Deadpool 2 more in the last week for some reason than I have in years since I saw Deadpool 2. What? A movie I don't want to watch again. Is it because of the writer's strike and because now that the actors are probably going on strike too, that Hugh Jackman will probably need to continue taking HGH to stay jacked for Deadpool three throughout a longer extended period of time and therefore hurt his body. One Hugh Jackman hurt his body a long time ago. (laughs) And that was in 2010 when he made the Wolverine, the movie where he went from looking like a fit dude to an insane person. Sure was a choice. Jeez. I've also been thinking about the Wolverine. That's a movie that I want to be better than it is. Cause I yeah, think for good. a good, I think for a good two thirds of it, like, Oh, just totally falls apart in the third act. Incredible, incredible implosion in the third act. All you had to do was bring out the actual silver samurai and do the Paul Smith fight. And no, you brought out a freaking Michael Bay transformer with an old guy inside. Terrible it, idea. It was really weird. And I feel like if they if they made that last act a much quieter thing about honor, it would have been good. It, but they know, didn't. Man. They that was such a weird movie. Man. Jeez. Wasn't that's a wasn't, weird wasn't Aronofsky supposed to direct that movie? <laughs> Like, I think he was yes. the original director yes. tied to that. And then James Mangold got it, and James Mangold did the best, uh, but he also said, hey, can you guys let me do a good one now? Like, yeah. I did this one, but would you let me do a good one? <laughs> and Hugh Jackman said, I would like James Mangold to do a good Wolverine, please. And you know what? They did. They sure did. Uh, our next story has a Wolverine in it. However, it is not Logan. It is not Lara. It is everybody's favorite, Jimmy Hudson. <laughs> this was it's, our pick of the week. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's Ultimate Comics X-Men 1 through 12 making, by Nick Spencer. Making me read them issues, Anthony. Thank oh, you. we're doing a lot. It's Nick Spencer. Paco Medina is the main artist on this. However, Carlos Barbary uh, gets in there from time to time. This is about the ultimate new ultimate x-men post ultimatum actually post ultimate x which uh was a comic that took forever to come out and therefore did not actually have that much impact on the ultimate universe writ large and anyway this one's by nick spencer and it is part of the 2011 we're gonna make the ultimate universe relevant again thing okay and there was a lot of momentum if you don't have the context for that Here's what was going around in the Ultimate Universe in 2011. They launched it with a couple of books. Mm -hmm. Ultimate Comics Spider-Man featuring Miles Morales. That sounds important. Important, big, great. Everyone loves it. I don't know. I don't know anyone who would be like, oh, Miles, he sucks. That's because I don't (laughs) talk to boring people. Uh, You had Jonathan Hickman and Asad Ribic doing Ultimate Comics Ultimates, a book that rules. Uh, Literally everything in that book, Hickman would later do better, but that book rules. 
Sounds like a good uh, combo. Uh, with that, you had Ultimate Comics Hawkeye, which we've read for the show. Yep. New and that has two Zorns. So yeah. that's great. And then you have Ultimate Comics X-Men. Nick Spencer at the time was like a hotter indie creator guy. He had Morning Glories. He had some stuff that was like, I forget what his, he had like the serial killer book that I only read one issue of years ago. It doesn't matter. Bedlam. It was called Bedlam. You know, it was, there's okay. He was, he was like a going concern at this point. And this is an interesting cast because the X-Men as this starts out are there's only three shroud. It's shroud. You know, shroud shroud for, for our listeners. Who is shroud Zach? It's, it's kitty. It's kitty. Bryant. Kitty in a ridiculously oversized raincoat and a weird mask. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with that costume. She looks really dumb. I hate it. She, listen, she got all kinds of, of straps coming off her back for no reason. Lots she, of love you? to Paco Medina. Lots of love to Paco Medina, who's frankly carrying this story on his back. It looks like it might be fun to draw. You know, it does look like it might be fun to draw. It's just an insane costume for Catherine Pride, yeah. a character who is no stranger to insane costumes. <laughs> Who are the other two X-Men at the beginning of the uh, story, Zach? Uh, it's Iceman and the Human Torch. The Human Torch is an X-Man in this story and constantly one, gets reminded that he is not a mutant. One, very funny that they said, how do we make people care about Ultimate X-Men again? Well, let's just make it an Ultimate Spider-Man spinoff book. Okay, yeah. let's go. Yeah. So for folks who remember our ultimatum episode, you may remember that there was a going concern in that book where William Stryker Jr., who was just a normal dude, not the the crazy military. He was a preacher, but he was like a chill preacher. Yeah, he was like a youth pastor. But when the ultimate wave hit, he turned into a psychotic mutant hater who then forged himself with sentinel technology and now is not only proselytizing, but he's basically got his own team. And man, there's Nimrods in this story. This is actually a pretty complicated plot. So, and they were doing this, at least Hickman and Spencer were doing this with their ultimate comics. Uh, they were saying, let's do a big story. Let's do like, we're going to plan two years of this. That's what we're going to do. We're going to seed all this stuff. We're going to make it big. We're going to destroy the United States of America and the ultimate universe. Like they're doing a huge amount of stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. You have you have mutants being put into concentration camps. Mm-hmm. You have the ongoing plot, which jumps between Hickman's stuff and Spencer's of Karen Grant, a.k.a. Ultimate Jean Grey uh, and her adventures on New Tian. You have Quicksilver. Going through this weird double crossy, triple crossy thing where he's betraying mutants. You have all of these people seeing ghosts of long dead mutants from the ultimate universe. You also see, including Magneto living in a cave, which never really gets followed up on. uh, Magneto doesn't get followed up. Professor X never gets followed up on (laughs) Scarlet Witch, who may I remind you is very dead at this time, never gets followed up on Uh, and Apocalypse doesn't get followed up on. Well, that is the None, big. Re- all that's all that stuff gets dropped. That's that's the big reveal at the the end of Nick Spencer's twelve issues is that uh, Sinister and Apo- Ultimate Sinister and Ultimate Apocalypse have been 
behind a lot of this. And then that just sort of gets dropped, which we we can get into when we get into our last story. But um, we do have other X-Men as part of this story, right? Jimmy does uh, join the team. Eventually, there, yeah. There is a uh, group of kind of Morlock kids um, because they're all living in the Morlock tunnels at this point. Um, after what happened in ultimatum, there's kind of a, there's a kid who's kind of like the ultimate version of maggot. And unfortunately I can tell you that he is not the ultimate version of maggot because ultimate maggot was killed by Mr. Sinister in the arc, the tempest. Well, that's a bummer. Who is this kid? Then he's got a big maggot coming out of his butt. No, no, you're misremembering. The maggot is a different mutant. Who's his friend oh. or his brother or something, but isn't it attached to his butt? no, like- Oh, no, it just hangs off just, of them? No, they're just hanging out with each other. Oh, but why is it always in his, like, on his back? Because they're best friends. They're hanging oh. out with each other. It does not appear that way, the way it's drawn. I, I, I'm I, going off the dialogue. I know what you're seeing, and I understand <laughs> it, Adam. I was like, oh, that's Ultimate Maggot. <laughs> also, Rogue. Rogue is here, and she is betraying the X-Men to get rid of her mutant powers from Stryker. Who can get rid of mutant powers now? But uh, wait, I guess not. But th- that's also a double triple cross. Because, it is double triple cross, right? Because Rogue is doing it. It it appears that Rogue is betraying the X Men when really she's trying to make sure that she can steal Striker's powers so that the Nimrods don't come and destroy the entire United States. Quicksilver worked with the U.S. government to. Launch a Nimrod program. William Stryker. William Stryker, then, it turns out, has the mutant power to commune with machines. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And since in the Ultimate Universe, since in the Ultimate Universe, mutation was a government-funded conspiracy, uh, and they're like, well, biological weapons are really just machines when you think about it, which that's not how it works. Uh, (laughs) Because of that, Nimrod, or... Stryker could take away people's mutations or shut them off in their genes or whatever. Uh, anyway, Kitty Pride straight up murders him. Well-deserved. Only he sends his consciousness into all of the Nimrods. So the Nimrods start saying the Lord's Prayer while exterminating mutants and and taking over the United States Southwest? Pretty much. And while this is all happening, you have the subplot... Uh, that's especially explored towards the the second half of this 12 issues that there has been a mutant concentration camp and uh, storm and Colossus are there. They are um, trying to tone down a very um, revenge minded Stacy X. Listen, um, I am on Stacy X's side on this one. Yeah, yeah, no, Stacy X wants 100%. to kill her. 100%. Stacy X is Stacy X was right. Yeah, I mean Stacy X is right in this situation. Um but they break free only in time for the Nimrod invasion. So they playing... Do you know who helps them out? Uh wait, remind me. Uh it's concentration camp guard Major John Walker. Oh right. AKA Ultimate US Agent. Now is that who that is? That's yeah. interesting. Do you not know who John Walker is? I don't really care. Is that he's Captain Krakoa now? We that's, assume. Uh, that's, we um, assume. Yeah, well, we think that. Yeah, he's Tony Thorne, US agent. I don't know. I don't know up. how to explain U.S. agent. There was a whole TV show about him. Oh, I know. It was uh, Kurt's son, right? Um, what the hell is his name? 
Why am I, why is his last name blanking on me? I don't know who Snake you're Pliskin. talking about. Oh, Snake Pliskin. Kurt Russell. Yeah, it's Kurt Russell's son. That's who plays okay. US agent. Uh, little, little liquid Snake Pliskin over here then. <laughs> so a lot going on here. Paco Medina, for the most part. We do have a fill-in on one or two. All right, Carlos Barbary fills in. Yeah. Uh, Juan Vasquez is inking uh, Medina and Marte Gracia is doing the colors. Yeah. I think the, the Marte Gracia adds a huge, huge part of, uh, you know, the, the look of this book. I mean, Marte is killing it. I don't always love Paco Medina. I do like, I was noticing while I was reading this, I'm like, man, Paco Medina's art's really killing it in this. He, like, I was sitting here, like, yeah. I don't like Curse of the Mutants. I don't like Paco Medina's art in it. Okay. I like Paco Medina's art in this. And I don't know if it's really uh, Marte's colors are elevating it. I don't know if Juan Vasquez was doing the uh, inking and that's just pumping it up here or they've done something different. But this feels like, this feels like a, really solid art team i would agree i think it looks really good um and you know it's it certainly reads very well um and i like paco's art there there's a couple of things that he's very reliant on um and i i'm saying this as an artist who knows that i am very reliant on especially uh poses where the character is facing let's say like 10 o'clock or two o'clock, right? Like Paco has a tendency to go back to certain like poses with especially faces. So there is an element of, of repetition um, depending on which, you know, characters he's drawing and and how he likes to draw those faces. But at the same time, I I really can't fault what he's doing here because he's doing a pretty solid job of telling this story. Um, The, you know, the, the problem with this, I think is that even though it's a full year of storytelling, it's too busy, even in its like ambitions to actually be completely coherent and start to follow up on some of the things that it's been doing because so it's playing I, around with the, the, the timeline, right. Of like what right. was happening with striker versus what was happening at the camp. It, th- there is a sense of almost repetition too with what it is that you're reading. So, and again, here's some context to this time in Marvel, specifically around this ultimate X-Men. And I guess really in comics in general, uh, it's 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. Do you know what happens in 2011, 2012? That's probably one of the biggest things that happen in the direct market in a very, very, very long time. And probably the most influential thing to happen in the time that I've been reading comics. I'm not sure. What was it? DC launches the new 52. They completely cancel uh, their entire line and relaunch. It okay. sucked up all of the oxygen. Yeah. It launched the same time as these books. Yep. So everyone was paying attention to new 52. Money wasn't going to the ultimate stuff. So you have things that happen like Hickman gets moved from ultimate comics, ultimates over to Avengers mm. uh, to do his run. Spencer, uh, I know Spencer ends up doing secret Avengers, uh, but I don't know what else he had going on and how that interfered with that. I don't know. I don't know why Spencer left the book uh, yeah. necessarily, but you know, they were moving, they were moving people around, but that is interesting because what that means is that these two writers basically put their heads together 
destroy the United States uh, as part of their and then, storytelling, and then just and then immediately leave. And yeah. buddy, buddy, I tell you what: <laughs> if you read the Sam Humphreys uh, stuff in Ultimate Comics Ultimates, yeah, it's it's rough compared to Jonathan Hickman. And I listen; I've read Sam Humphreys comics that I like. I think that Dial H for Hero freaking rips and is one of the underappreciated classics in the recent year. Have you read Dial H for Hero? The Sam Humphreys? Uh, you keep telling notice? me to. It's on my list. I have. It has come it. up several times now, hasn't it? I, you, you I don't know if it was on air out. or not. No, it, I only read it once. It's like it's like a really good book. I'm going to read it. It's on my list. You should. You specifically would enjoy it. I'm just telling you, like, it's an Adam book. You've told me um, that at least five times. It is. Listeners, Dude, back me up. I was telling, <laughs> I was telling, I was telling a friend who was messaging me about our 300th episode and mentioned a joke or something that I said. And I said, buddy, I don't remember any <laughs> of that. I believe you, but it's in one ear out the oh, other. It, yeah. I mean, come on, give it, cut us some slack. <laughs> anyway, the story doesn't end, and that's the biggest problem with it. Yeah. I like, I, yeah. I feel like all of this buildup, if this was like a two-year-long story and all of the seeding paid off, it would make a it would make a difference. Yeah, it absolutely would. But unfortunately, we end this story with a Layla Miller cameo and this sinister <laughs> apocalypse stuff, which I is the, about the Layla Miller. Yeah, that, but that's that's the perfect example of what we were just talking about in our first story. Which this this drives me nuts. In the why does she comics. run rocks on? Who knows, right? They they're just like, okay, well, let's pick a six one six character, and we're really not going to do anything actually different with them. It's just going to be a name drop. You know, and it's like, okay, but at least. Okay, like, hold on, hold on. I have to defend Nick Spencer here, which is not a thing I like to do. Oh, okay. Layla Miller being part of the Roxxon Brain Trust was established by Brian Michael Bendis in Ultimate Mystery Number 3. That makes more sense that Bendis would do it. Bendis, who did create Layla Miller. Yeah. Uh, All right. Okay, yeah, she was in Ultimate Mystery and Ultimate Doom. Okay. Uh, stories I have. All right. Read. I'll back off then because then that means that Bendis at least had an idea there. Um, but again, is it a good one? I don't know. I don't know that it's a good idea. I just, I, it drives me nuts when it's like, well, there's this character. And you're like, yeah, but it's not. And what is different about them here? And why, what, what is the exercise? Like, why is it, why is it interesting to have somebody in a different universe? If, the character is just going to be the same character from the six one six, just maybe like with an office job. Like, is that I interesting? Don't I don't know. I so, don't know. Um, this guys, if it feels like we're not talking about the story, it's because it's a lot of setup with zero actual execution. Uh, I will say, interesting, right? Like, it is interesting stuff. Definitely, sh- I, like, I like the ambition here. We're swinging for the fences. I think and we're a- striking out, but we're swinging. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, like when you end issues with cliffhangers and then you never follow up on them in, you know, uh, looks and we don't all get to be Ben Percy. You know, we don't all get to get up into like the 30s and 40s of our series and follow up on things from the first couple issues. You know, 
most stories, most of these writers barely get to write more than a year of a book. If they, the book even lasts that long. Do so, you know what's interesting about that? Now that I went, because you say that most writers, especially today would just say, okay, well, I found out it's issue 10. I found out halfway through this that I'm getting canceled. I better make the next two. Yep. You know, that's not work what happens to close here. this out. Nick Spencer's like, we're going full steam ahead. <laughs> and because it's the ultimate universe, he can't actually like stop and restart everything. No. So it just has to barrel through. Yeah. And we'll talk about anyway, that in a second, but let's rank this a, one first. This is a good looking comic. Uh, I would agree. It has a lot of ambition and it fails really hard, but it's still better than that Kirkman stuff. So oh, it's better than that cable stuff. Like, yeah. listen, it's trying something. This is this is the best of the three this week, I think, by far. By far, okay. We're gonna have an interesting. Oh, okay. Now I'm really interested to hear what's gonna happen the rest of this episode. So actually, actually, I think I think you may end up being right. I know. Though I'm I'd right. say that I look much more fondly on Brian Wood, who's the next creator we're talking about again. Yeah, Brian Wood, man, saying these things out loud. Uh, Where are we going? Wood, I think Brian Wood's Ultimate X Men is better than Expenser's in general, but I. We'll talk about the specific arcs we're doing. Okay. Uh, b- 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 is this better not, or worse than Shattershot? It's worse. It's also worse than Wolverine 2031, Enemy of the State at 530. Yeah, it's worse than Enemy of the State. Uh, is it better or worse than Astonishing X-Men Life of X? That's at 556. Um, I think we're in the right place because Curse of the Mutants is right above that. and I. This would... is better than Curse of the Mutants. Okay, so it's better than Curse of the Mutants. Is it better than uh, X-Men The End, Men and X-Men Part 3? You know how we talked about swinging for the fences and striking out? Yeah, that's the king of that. Oh, but it swings so much harder. It really does. I, I'm going to give the edge to uh, X-Men The End. I will. P- let's put it right below X-Men The End, right above five fifty, the current 554, the Mirror Island Saga. Perfect. A story so. that doesn't actually swing for the edge. Fences and also doesn't actually end or yeah. complete in any real way. Perfect part of the list. Okay. Now, Zach, I am fascinated by this take that you just shared with me because we are going to go to what happens after this. Uh, our last story this week is Ultimate Comics X-Men 13 to 18. Divided we fall, united we stand. Uh, where, yeah. where Nick Spencer is now replaced by Brian Wood, who... Zach, I'm not convinced that Brian Wood can write comics. I'm not going to go that far because I think Brian Wood has written some good comics in his time. Like, here's the thing. I like the Brian Wood, Greg Smallwood, uh, Moon Knight. Like, there's some really interesting stuff there. I've never read DMZ, but it's got, like, acclaim. Okay. Uh, And I, in general, I like Brian Wood's Ultimate Comics X-Men better than Nick Spencer's. Uh, However, I think his challenge is that he has to spend his first arc cleaning up and moving forward and tying into the larger storyline that the ultimate universe was doing before he can tell the story that he wants to tell, which is the stuff on uh, the mutant reservation. All I'm going to say, well, I have a lot to say, but you have um, a lot to say. These five issues is it five issues, six issues, Um, some number of issues. Can't count. Uh, It's very boring. Kitty and the rest of the ultimate comics, X-Men, uh, as they are now known, leave Johnny Storm behind and decide to go because there's a civil war going on in the United States. Yeah, they. Well, okay, so you know the maker, right? To, to walk us through. <laughs> so the 
Yeah. So the maker is evil, evil Ridge, Reed Richards. Okay, this isn't in the story. This is the other stuff that's happening. Ultimate Universe Reed Richards, the maker, did use the world uh, in the Children of Tomorrow or something. I forget what. Destroyed most of Europe. Good times. At the same time, a coup got started in the U.S. and a civil war happened. Several states got completely, like, blacked out disconnected from everything the southwest got taken over by nimrods yeah because this all happened within a no one knows what's going on in the great lakes (laughs) and so each issue starts with a shield situation map which um these are not hickman level graphics folks these are not tom muller uh beautiful house of x powers of 10 graphics these are really ugly um garish pages that just look terrible um, but tell you which brown blobs of poop are controlled by what. Um, but it doesn't matter because you're only in this story. You're only focused on the Southwest. That's right. Because our team How do you is rescue the mutants? just trying to get down to like, let's say Texas for the bulk of the issues. But then they decide to turn around because they realize they really shouldn't have left Johnny and all the children alone without any protection. Johnny wasn't left because they didn't like him. They were, he was left because he needed, someone needed to take care of the kid Morlocks. Uh, Sure. But also Brian Wood wanted to write him out of the book. That's fair. There, uh, uh, Kitty immediately sheds the shroud look and for a immediately in a very funny page. Yeah. Bland white, like jumpsuit. And great. It looks more like Kitty than the weird shroud thing did though. Um, so we get instead of the complex plotting that we were dealing with previously, we get this very long and drawn out, very boring road trip where Kitty and the crew basically are encountering blockades and racists at diners, and it's very dull. Paco doesn't See, have much that, to do. I think that I think the character work there works best for like works well for me. I I really like those starting issues where they're just trying to get by. Like that landed. They have the interpersonal conflict. That the part that Jimmy and Kitty are dating now, which just comes out of nowhere, but does not work. That does not that work. doesn't listen. Has anything about Jimmy Hudson ever worked? Wood Wood keeps relying, especially in the well, it's not just the first three issues. It's all of these where he keeps relying heavily on narration blocks of yeah. the Kitty narrating. And it's so repetitive and boring. And by the time we get to the end of the first couple issues, when we get to United We Stand, Kitty is now and the team have now teamed up with uh, Nick Fury. Right. Nick Fury. Ultimate and Nick Fury. They are going to um, stop, you know, Whatever's They're going to liberate on. some concentration camps. Right. And we get to a point where like Rogue is hooking up with Quentin Quire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rogue and Ultimate Quentin Quire just start making out a bunch. Why? It's a great question. I, Zach, this book sucks. It really does suck. And Paco Medina is doing his damnedest to, to make it look good. Um, the colors look great. You know, and there's some stuff happening here, but like armor looks cool. Um, that's not even Paco though. That's um, who's, who's Carlos Barbary and Augustin uh, Padilla. Yeah. Also, Riley Riley Brown is in here uh, for a bit. Yeah, but like 
Okay, here's a great example. All right, you get to the end of Uncanny X uh, or Ultimate Comics X-Men number 17, and the consciousness of William Stryker Jr. has now gone into the Master Mold Sentinel. Yes. And all of the Nimrods and him descend upon the, the concentration camp, right? That they're trying to liberate. And the yes. end of the issue is a cover preview for the next issue, but it says classify. Okay. Then you actually see the cover and it's Kitty shooting the Sentinel in the head. Like, yeah, what's why, with Kitty having so many guns? Why is that classified? Why is Kitty walking around with automatic weapons? Like, well, because she has a defensive power. I get that. And she's fighting robots. I just, this is dumb. This is a mess. Nothing is, is happening. It Nothing is happening except for if you lay out the plot, a lot of things are happening, but there is not a, there is not the same narrative heft to it that you would want for, there's a civil war and mutant concentration camps. Like things have gotten very, very bad in the ultimate universe. It, and it, it doesn't feel important. You have the benefit of having read the stuff that goes on around this. I don't. Yeah. I'm just reading these characters who are pretty bland, get in a car, drive for a while, and then fight some Sentinels at the end. And yeah. it's like, okay, I just, especially after, and I'm not saying those first 12 issues were like anything, but in the first 12 issues, Spencer is doing this thing where he's bouncing around between like four different plots over the course sure. of those 12 issues. There's really only, there is no B, B story in this. It is just road trip, team up with Nick Fury, fight machines. And I don't know. I just found it dull. Um, Did you find it dull the part where Captain America, the president of the United States shows up and they don't explain that? Yeah, that happens at the very, very end uh, of this arc. Um, so where he offers, where he offers them. By the way, we're going to give you your own land. Also, I am not going to be able to stop the fact that they are just depowering mutants left and right now. Sorry, that's politics, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Listen, when it when Paco is and and Gracia are doing a fantastic job, I think the book looks good. Um, there's some really nice looking. Art. I think I think Carlos Barbary does a really like stand up job, and he's, he's always done, been a guy I've seen good. as yeah, he's a good hand. Yeah, but sure, but this doesn't this doesn't land for me at all. Like, and I don't know if it was just exhaustion from reading like almost two years of this book, but it it's just like it it really flubs whatever every everything that was being set up. Um, not even I like I don't want to even give too much praise to what was being set up because it's very unclear what that even was, but like this ain't it. It's not it. And what I will, what I will say is that immediately after this, when they start to get to do the story they really want to do, mm -hmm. I think the book actually starts really cooking. Okay. Like literally the next issue, it becomes some of the best ultimate universe X-Men stuff. Hey, maybe But I agree. This is not it. Yeah. I listen, it could be like, the best thing ever this doesn't make me want to read past this i'm you telling know? you it's kind of it's kind of proto krakoa okay hey like more much more than utopia or anything else it's like this is kind of a blueprint sure oh, i i mean new tion I, I see it it's all here um but this is not as good as 554 the ultimate comics x-men 1 to 12 i don't know where on the list it should be because i don't think it's it's not, it's not as bad as the cable stuff no absolutely not 
Uh, that's down at 646. So we know we're in between. Is um, it better or worse than 582, the family ties unpublished inventory <laughs> issue? I think it's better than Moses that. Magnum. I think it's better than that. But um, it's it's we're in the right like general place on the list. Um, um, is it better or worse than Marvel Comics Presents Cyclops Retribution? I think it's worse. Um, better or worse than New Mutants, The Return of the Legion? I think it's worse. Better or worse than that time the all-new X-Men went to Paris? Okay, it's better than that. So it's Better, this, than that. better or it's, worse than Daddy Boros? I don't think it's as memorable as that weird Daddy Boros issue. <laughs> well, we didn't we didn't coin a term no. for this issue. Uh, whereas Daddy Boros, we absolutely have words. So this can be our new 575. Wow. You know, that was a much longer conversation than I expected. I thought there wasn't a, as much substance here, but uh, I'm glad we did it. Again, in our attitude era, era we're anything doing this goes. for us. Anything goes. Anything. Anything goes. So I really hope our listeners enjoyed that bit of attitude that we mm-hmm. shared with them. If you want to if you want to get a bad attitude, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf. It's five bucks. It's five bucks. It's not much. Com- Make it happen. Battle of the Atom. It's five bucks. It's solid, decent price for good time on your Mondays. Listen, it's it's five bucks. <laughs> Adam, Adam, where what's going on? Anything that you need to tell the people about? Uh, no, I you know I do this show, so you're already listening to it, and folks. Really, follow, that is the best place to find us. It is. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at adam.rec or. Um, occasionally on twitter at arthur stacy and um what are we doing next week zach i think we're uh we're taking a week off right next week next week we have life uh so we're taking a week off but the week after that adam we got some stories about a rogue one of my faves yeah we're gonna talk about a rogue named gambit no that's not what you meant i know what i meant no Gambit. i'm just a rapscallion like that (laughs) No, we're talking about rogue stories and the early rogue stories, and it'll be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. There's some things I've not actually read because you Ooh. know what? It's really hard to find Rom Space Night. Oh, yeah. Yep. You have to Google read Rom Space Night online. It's so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for the Bad Boy of X-Men podcasting. <laughs> we all pretend like we don't know what that combination of words gets you. Amazing tips for the internet age, Zach. Really just... Buy uh, buy your comics uh, and then petition your local Hasbro representative to let you read Rob Space Night, please. <laughs> but until then, folks, this has been Bow the Atom. We hope you survive the experience. Get it!